at this time, this would be a good time for the children. If any of the children want to come up and go this way, right around through here. Here they go. Here come some of our helpers. That's great. Come on, let's go. Thank you, those that are helping. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful to be able to sing these songs and hymns to you. We thank you. It's a privilege that you've given us to be able to come into your presence and to sing these songs and these hymns that have an impact over so many years. We ask, Lord, now as we finish up in this series that we've been working with, that you would be with us, encourage us, strengthen us, we pray. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, we've been working through a series on the Ten Commandments. And what we want to do today is basically sort of sum up what we've been doing. We've talked about the Ten Commandments, the importance of them, the significance of them, why this is important. And so what we want to do today is kind of bring this together and try to understand what's the main points, what are the main things we need to take from that. And that's where we're going to focus on. So we're going to be looking at this and going through the Ten Commandments. There are several things to focus on particularly, and that is this. One of the key things here is the whole issue of the covenant, that God makes covenant with his people. As we know earlier in the Old Testament, it talks about God talked with Abraham and gave him a covenant. Then he gave another covenant. There are three covenants we talk about, particularly among others. But those are important things. We know during one of those times when they got together and said, okay, we're going to make a covenant, and they had to remember, you might remember this in the passage, where it talked about the fact that they would have a thing where a person would go through and the flames. It was kind of like a, a, a thing saying, we're all in. We're understanding what's going on here. We're doing what we call, God has called us to do. We're, in other words, be, be, make sure that you're doing what God has called you to do, that you're going to keep the promises that you've made. The covenant is about that. It's making promises, a promise to say, I will do this and you will do that. And we're not going to break that. And so the covenant is an important part that comes up again and again when we talk about the Ten Commandments. We talk about the Ten Commandments when we go back to it because you have to go back to the beginning. It goes back to God's rescue from Egypt. When God in his mercy would be able to help his people to get out from their place and took them away from over the thing and out away from the, the, all the people that were trying to follow them to kill them. And how God cared for them and showed his love. Then they had to go through some very, very tough times, going through the struggles in the wilderness. They were t and, you know, you would think that they'd be, thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Everything's been wonderful. And you find out that human nature hasn't changed in a long time because they start whining. We don't like the food. We don't like this. We don't like that. And God has to show them some amazing ways. There's no war. We're going to die in the wilderness. They're crying. And God says, really? Hit the rock and see what happens. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess really you are in charge, God. And they saw God work in miraculous ways. They saw how God cared for his people. It's like here's a people that they were, they were slaves. And now they're free. And now they see God's mercy. And God says to him, okay, you've seen all this, you've experienced that, now it's time to be able for us to talk in what I'm expecting of my people. For example, we pick up this up in Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. In the third month, 
on the same day of that month that the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. I've been to the wilderness of Sinai a couple times, and boy, it's bleak. There's not much to see. I mean, it's beautiful in one sense, but it's very, very harsh. It's hard to believe people could live there, but again, God was able to care for his people even during a place like that. Unfortunately, by the way, there's still fighting going on in the Sinai Peninsula. A lot of go going on with Egypt and the things that's going on, the really tragic things that are happening. But this passage, we're talking about the land of Egypt. They entered the wilderness of Sinai. And there in that passage, it said, after they parted from Rephidim, one of the places where they had stopped for a while, they entered the wilderness of Sinai and they camped there in front of the mountain. If you know, in the Old Testament, particularly mountains had really important significance. This wasn't any kind of mountain. This was a very, very important mountain. This is where God is going to meet man on a mountain. And when it happens, you're going to know that something big has happened because God is going to be working in incredible ways. And so we said they were in front of the mountain. Moses went up to the mountain to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, this is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. And then in this beautiful passage, we want to focus here for just a minute, verses 4 and 5. He's talking to them saying, look what God has already done. Remember, you were slaves, right? You remember you've been freed, right? You went through the wilderness, right? You survived the wilderness, right? All of it came by your help. No, all of it came from God's faithfulness and God's care. And he says, now let me tell you something that here he says in, chat, in, verse four, in that verse 4. He said, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. We saw that one for sure. And how I carried you on eagles' wings. I love that phrase. It's like, you know, here, you know, this, imagine this gigantic bird coming in and grabbing God's Israel, his people, taking them up and saying, you know what? I'm going to take you away from this. He said, I carried you on eagle's wings. I brought you to me. He said, what I've, look what I've done for you at all this. And then in verse 5, he starts saying, and this is what I'm going to ask of you. I've been faithful in everything that you've asked. I've been faithful in providing, caring, helping, saving. But now, here's what I'm asking you. Verse 5, now, if you will listen to me and carefully keep my command my covenant you'll be my possession out of all the peoples although all the earth is mine stop right there for a second of all these peoples remember all around the place where Israel was Amorites Moabites all the Bites people there's all these different people all around them and he's saying of all these different cultures of all these different people of all these strange things that people believe out of all of these guess what I chose you, Israel, I've chosen you to do a great work through God's people. And he said, that's why in verse 5, now, if you will listen to me, if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my possession out of all the peoples throughout all the earth, is, though all the earth is mine. He said, now notice this for verse 6, you will be my kingdom of priests my holy nation. Remember, in most of these cultures, like Israel, you had like one priest, or you had one priest with other priests to help. But he's saying, you will be my kingdom of priests. 
In other words, he's kind of exalting them into an even higher stage. He's saying, you know what? Here's a few people that worked as a priest. I'm letting all of you be priests. You will be my kingdom of priests, and you're going to be my holy nation. And you're going to be the one of all, all of them. There's the nations here, and they're killing their own children, putting them through fire. There's ones over here, and they're doing that, but not you. You're going to be a people of God. And he said, here's the words you're going to say to the Israelites. He tells them, here's what you must do to follow after me. And so you go to chapter 20, the very next one, in chapter 20, verse 1. Then God spoke all these words, and notice what he said. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He's saying, let me tell you one more time. I've rescued you again and again and again, and here's what I've done for you, and here's what I'm asking from you. And I'm not only asking you to do it, I'm telling here's what you must do as you respond to all the unbelievable things that God has done for you, you need to be able to respond as well. He's basically saying in the next 20, you're a privileged people. Of all these crazy groups all around you, you're a privileged people. To think of God of all these, of all these cultures all around the world, I'll take you, Israel, and wait till you see what I do with you, ultimately bringing Messiah to come to bring the world to Christ. He says, you're a privileged people. Now, notice what we talked about here. We've talked about the Ten Commandments here in these last ten weeks, basically. The Ten Commandments we've talked about have seen such an important part of what the scriptures have talked to us about. When we talk about the ten when we talk about the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, we often think about it, the, the Hebrew word talks about it, describes it as the ten words. The ten key words that really are the we would call them the Ten Commandments. And if you look at it, and we looked at it before, this is stuff we've looked at before, obviously, but it says that there's certain ways it kind of divides up. Let me, for example, there's really, when you look at the Ten Commandments, there's like two sections of it, okay? That first section is right here, is verses 1, the first, the, the commandments, 1, 2, 3, and 4. And, the, and there, the focus is on relationship with God, okay? The relationship with God. In other words, saying, you are going to be my people. He tells them what you're going to do. I am going to be your God, and he tells me, he said, there's going to be no other God but me. Monotheism. Most of these cultures, almost all these cultures, had multiple gods, multiple gods and things that they worshipped. He said, one God. And the people around there thought, gee, isn't that too bad? We've got 48 different gods, and they've only got one. You know, maybe we ought to borrow, let them borrow some of them. <laughs> no, you don't get the point. There's only one God. There's many people who call themselves God, but there's only one God. So when you start going through the Ten Commandments, remember we talked about the fact that there's only one God. There's only one God. Then he made quite clear, do not make an idol. Most of those cultures made their own gods. They had something they could look at, something you could hold, something you could travel with. And he's saying, nope, you're not going to do that either. He went on and he said, and you're not going to misuse the name of the Lord. You might remember when we went through that. It's like the Lord takes his name very, very seriously. Unfortunately, a lot of times now we use the Lord's name in such a, 
you know, that person is such and such. We use words. It's terrible. But the point that it's making here that's very important is saying, listen, my name is precious to me. And it's not going to be you go to saying you're going to do things like that are so terrible and say it. And so we talked about the third one. He talks about the name of the Lord. And then the fourth one is the Sabbath. I rested on the seventh day, and you will too. So the first group of them is one to four. One, two, three, and four. It deals with our relationship with God. When you go on from this one, when we go on to the next one, it's chapter, when you go to the next ones, it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. It's all about relationships with one another. If you look about it and you go through them, it talks about honor your mother and your father. It says, you shall not murder. And we talked about murder particularly, saying, hopefully there's nobody in the room that's ever murdered anybody, whoever does, but saying how we can murder a person with a person with our mouth by what we say or by what we don't say when something should be said. And he makes it very clear. So you be careful what you say. Next one, adultery. Obviously, very clear. It's one man, it's one woman. And there's no messing around. It says you should not th steal. There's many ways to steal. We talked about that, how significant that could be. False testimony. We talked about how danger it is that sometimes we should speak up and we don't. But when he talks about that and he talks about being a false testimony, saying, oh, you better make sure what you're doing, particularly we talked about like in a capital offense. Someone says, I saw that person kill that man over there. Are you positive? Are you sure that happened? Because the person's life is on the line. And that's why I'm saying what you say in with your mouth could mean life or death for people. It happens all over the world. It happens in our country. You better be very careful when you say this is going to happen. And of course, we can find ourselves in big trouble when we lie about something and then find, we find out you know, we're the liar. The last one he goes through and he talks about you should not covet. David, I think, brought that last week to us. How easy it is for us to be thinking it. You know, we tease sometimes, you know, tell our kids, yeah, well, when I get that new Ferrari you're getting for me, you know, that'll be really neat, right? I'm never going to get a Ferrari unless it's one of those little tiny ones. And I'm okay. What is it? I have one. Thank you. I was thinking something just slightly a little bigger, girls, than what you were talking about. So anyways, the point was 5 to 10 is dealing relationships with one another. So you've got the four here, you've got the six over here, making that whole point of saying, here it is about God, here it is about our relationships with one another. And so the Ten Commandments become such an important part throughout the ages in a very significant way. And so what we wanted for just a minute to talk a little bit about, this, about the enduring role that the Ten Commandments have. Some people are like, you know, that's so old. It was like 1,300 years ago, we don't know exactly when Moses, when it all happened. Let's go with 1,300. 1,300 years ago this happened, and it's still, people are following it after all these years. It's saying it's something that's important. It's something that God has given us, and that's important for us. When you look at this passage in the Ten Commandments, it's interesting because when the Reformation came, we think about, particularly think about Martin Luther. Martin Luther, picture of him in his earlier years, remarkable guy. He had some terrific writing that he talked about the Ten Commandments. 
Now, before that, the church certainly had teaching the Ten Commandments, but Martin Luther put a new kind of kind of new idea of looking at it, and he did some terrific writing about how it's important about the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments is so significant in the way that it touches the lives of so many people in so many ways. And so he did a lot of writing, and a lot of writing that got, you know, going on from year after year. And he had a real impact on through that. Martin Luther also had an impact on John Calvin, a little bit guy who was just younger than he was, but another great person. He got a lot of that from Martin Luther. And he realized, again, we need to keep teaching our people the Ten Commandments. We can't force people to do that, but we can say, here's the commandments that God gave us 1,300 years ago, and they're still validating today the importance of what's going on. And so Luther talked about that. It's interesting, we go from Martin Luther and go into our culture today, and so up there I got a thing from a rapper. Now many of you know I'm really big into rap. <laughs> um, getting wrapped around my neck probably. But, uh, but this guy who I know almost nothing about is a rapper, DMX, other than he's famous for some people. I don't even know. But it was interesting. Here's a guy our, you know, in our generation who writes this. The truth, he says, you know what he likes about the Ten Commandments? He said, the truth doesn't change. It was the same when Moses got the Ten Commandments that it is today. That's the thing about the truth. That's the thing about real. It doesn't change, and it doesn't have to change. Now, you can put it in a different book, but it's still real, and it's still, it's still the truth. 1,300 years, it's still the truth, and it still speaks to us. And it still says what we got 1,300 years ago is something that we need to know. It's something we need to teach others. It's something particularly we need to teach children. Real quickly, Ten Commandments and the New Testament. Do with me if you would. Turn in your Bible to, let me take the passage here, to Matthew. Turn to Matthew if you would. Let me get my passage here. Turn to Matthew. Let me see. Let me find my passage very quickly. Okay. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It says he's talking about the model prayer in verse 9. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us today. We know that part. He goes on about if you will not forgive other people. Then in verse 16, whenever you fast, don't be sad like the hypocrites. And he goes on talking about this. And he continues to talk about the fact of saying that, you know what? When the things that you heard in the Old Testament and the things that you've learned, they're still important to us. They mean something to us. And so Jesus talked about the fact and said, you said, okay, this thing is, this, this, is a, this means this. Jesus said, go even further. If he hits you once, well, let him hit you twice. And Jesus goes on talking about saying, the Ten Commandments are still teaching us, but it's saying what now that Christ has come. What's happening is things have changed to an even greater scale than we could even imagine. God is at work in an incredible way. 
And so he talks in the New Testament, often he talks many times about it. For example, let me give you an illustration. We talk about Jesus in the Old Testament, Matthew 5.17. Turn back one page to that if you would. 5.17. Uh, I'll pick this up. 5.17. I'll pick it up. Yeah, let me see. Let's see. That would be a good place. 5.17. By the way, this verse is some scholars argue with it, but it's a great verse. 5.17. Jesus says, Don't assume that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. Now stop right there for a minute. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. Now you've got to be careful there, okay? Because Jesus did tell us that we are now no longer under the law, but we're under grace. That does not mean that everything that happened before here is not significant. He's making it very clear. So Jesus says, don't assume that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, and then here's the key word. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. All that you saw in the Old Testament, all that God taught us, all that was there, he said, now, with the coming of Messiah, he talks, I've come here not to destroy anything, but to fulfill it to where it was meant to be, to what God wanted it to be, to have an impact on the lives of others. It's in Matthew 5:17. It's interesting, I had a thing I was reading, said, how many times does Jesus talk about the Old Testament in the New Testament? Forty-nine times. Forty-nine times in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the Old Testament, and he talks about the Ten Commandments. Forty-nine times. One more. Jesus quotes all Ten Commandments except one. And here's where scholars, some scholars will go back and forth. Number four is the Sabbath. This is very important. Stay with me for this one. Jesus quotes all ten commandments, except it seems to be number four, which is you will keep the Sabbath. This has become a big issue over a thousand years. It's become a thousand years over people discussing it because it seems all the other ones, got it, got it, got it. What about this one? And most would say, you know what? Jesus quotes all of them, but when he reads the, the when you read the, the New Testament, it doesn't mention the Sabbath. Which is interesting because we know that when Christ died, when the Messiah died and came and back to life, when he did that, we know very early in the Christian church that many people thought, you know what? We're not going to worship on this on the seventh anymore. We're going to start doing it on Sunday, the resurrection day. And from that point on, in almost all churches, now it's resurrection day that we reach a Sunday. I have to say there are still groups that are different. You know, there are things. Uh, there are some groups that today are still would go follow the law, the, what they believe the law, uh, and the number four when we talk about the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. Um, there's a number of gr little groups that do that. In general, though, it to me means I think it's important to recognize that in the New Testament, it doesn't talk about the Sabbath. And I think the reason for that is because it's the new kingdom and the fact that we're with Christ and the fact that what Christ has done. But anyways, notice that if you would. So it talks in the New Covenant people. It talks about the fact how God has been so great to us. And so this passage that we've been working on this morning, the Ten Commandments, I think for us, 
most, particularly I would say this, I'd be, be careful. I know in many churches, you could go for 30, 40 years and never hear about the Ten Commandments. And that, I think, is a huge mistake. I think the fact that Jesus made it so important for him to take people to look back to the Old Testament and then look to him to see what he's doing with his covenant people. So all Ten Commandments, you can argue if you want about the Sabbath, but to me, they all seem to us valid to us today. And I think they're helpful and they're a challenge to us to be the women, the men, the boys, the girls that God's called us to be. And so for us, as we wrap up this series, be thinking again, why is it so important that for 1,300 years people have preserved this, taught this, made sure that people knew it, and why is it we are so short in learning it? Even more so, we struggle even more in living it. And that's the challenge we have to face. Lord, we thank you that we kind of wrap up this series. We thank you for your working in our lives. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing. Be with us, Lord, as we prepare for the, for the table, that you would be with us as you've promised to be, where two or three are gathered together. We thank you for your presence with us. In all this, we give you great praise. In Jesus' name, amen.